Hello and welcome to episode number 100 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And Tony, 100 episodes in just over a year. Exactly 14 months, to be exact, as we're recording this one on December 18th, and our show debuted last October 18th. We'll have to celebrate this one in Mobile in a few weeks. 100 episodes, that means we can be syndicated now, right? Isn't that the, I know that's what it is in television. You need 100 episodes before you be syndicated and start to make the big bucks. But uh, it's been fun. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. We've uh, given some first-rate news. We've rankled some feathers uh, over the past uh, 14 months, over the past 100 episodes. I know that for, that's for sure, and I'm sure we will rankle some feathers moving forward. And I certainly look forward to rankling some feathers. After all, that is the difference between journalism and public relations. But we're going to move on to this episode here, number 100 again, and it's going to focus on the upcoming bowl games over the next few days and looking ahead to the weekend. But before we get into that, a word from our sponsor. Tony, sleep is something that is often elusive for football analysts and fans alike, often up late watching film, grinding at all hours. So let's talk about sleep. You know, you listen to these studies from Harvard and John Hopkins, Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease. I don't have the obesity, uh, some of the other stuff, and diabetes, some of the other stuff, uh, possibly. We need eight hours of sleep, and uh, you know, counting sheep only goes so far. And it's not just about how long you sleep, but how you sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's really tough to get a good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. That's right. That's right. And we want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. I wonder if sleep fitness is uh, different from just regular fitness. I can't imagine working out in my sleep. But this bed was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. 43 million hours. That's more sleep than any of us will probably get in our lifetime. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. Learn your sleep habits and adjust the temperature automatically. So if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in one crazy comfortable bed. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is, is if you're sleeping next to somebody who's too hot, you can uh, cool your side of the bed down. That's what it sounds like. Anyway, sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. I definitely could use that because uh, I'm not a morning person. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange for a free pickup. I'm no morning person either, but is anybody really? But whether you have this bed or not, whether you're a morning person or not, these beds are already sold out of their first two batches, so they are going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That is E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Give it a try. Now looking ahead to the bowl games for the weekend, Friday night brings us top quarterback prospect Jordan Love as Utah State will take on Kent State in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Now, of note, before we get into Love, who did have an eventful week here, his teammate, linebacker David Woodward, declared for the draft on Monday. Now, Woodward played just seven games this year, was dealing with an undisclosed injury, 
But in those seven games, he had 93 tackles, four forced fumbles, and a couple sacks. Now, despite those numbers, he's a third-day prospect. We're not going to see him in this game, obviously, due to the injuries. We will see love, however, or at least we think and hope we will see love, because earlier in the week, he accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. He had the credits to graduate school early and is taking advantage of it by going to a postseason All-Star game. Shortly after that was reported, another report came out that Love, along with two of his teammates, running back Gerald Bright and wide receiver Sean Carter, were arrested for marijuana possession. Now, their statuses for the game right now are up in the air. There has yet to be any comment from the Utah State program. Obviously, this is not a great end to a rough 2019 season for Love. His numbers were down across the board. Obviously, his supporting cast was significantly weakened from 2018. Assuming Love plays, Tony, what can he do Friday night to reaffirm his once sky-high draft stock? Not much because, you know, Kent State, give him credit. They're in a bowl game, but they don't have any many highly rated prospects. They, they have no draft prospects, as a matter of fact. They've done a great job coaching. So, really, Love is expected, if he plays, to go out there and really beat them down. He could do more damage with a poor game than I think he's going to do more good with a real good game. And really, the marijuana thing was just stupid. I mean, people say, well, it's pot, college kids. But you know what? It's an unforced error, and it's just something that he's going to be questioned about during Senior Bowl and Combine interviews. It's just another thing on the wrong side of the scale that it's an unforced error where there's going to be a deeper look into it to see if this has happened before, if he's failed to test at school, what's going on. And it's something that he's going to be questioned about that you know, it, again, like I said, it's an unforced error. Uh, it's great to see him at the Senior Bowl. You know, uh, there's a good chance of what I'm hearing, depending on who he signs with, there's a good chance that Justin Herbert's there. Uh, and I think Herbert needs to be there. Don't know that Joe Burrow's going to be there, but it's shaping up to be a real good quarterback class at the Senior Bowl, which is front and center usually every year. So I don't know that Jordan Love can do anything against Kent State to really help himself. Uh, I think he's done enough damage. If he plays, just have a good game and move on from there. You mentioned David Woodward. Woodward's a terrific linebacker. I mean, he's an instinctive guy. He gets it between the ears. He makes a lot of plays. I question his athleticism. I've liked him since he was a sophomore. I question his athleticism. I don't know entering the draft off the injury really benefited him. There may be more going on there. We'll have to see if he's able to work out at the combine or prior to the draft because he's going to need some real good workouts if he wants to push himself into the top 100 picks. Right now, I got him as a fourth, fifth round selection. Good linebacker. I just don't think he's a great athlete. Yeah, and with the Jordan Love thing, it's just slippery slope isn't the right way to describe it, but it's just another ride downhill for him. You know, everyone was talking about him in the summer, us included. The talent is most certainly there, but in a time when he should have been celebrating the fact that he's going to the Senior Bowl and he gets that opportunity now to make an impression with a better supporting cast around him in an atmosphere that allows quarterbacks to stand out if they have that ability. Now, all he's going to be doing is answering questions. And yeah, it's pot. No one really cares, but it's more about the decision-making. It's more about why are you doing this, especially right before a bowl game, right after you're accepting your invite to the senior bowl. And at the quarterback position, decision-making is one of the more important skills we talk about all the time. You look at Dak Prescott, had a DWI, had to answer questions about it at the Combine, ended up going in the fourth round. Now, Prescott never had the level of uh, draft hype 
that Jordan Love did. We'll see in the end what it does to his stock, but it's a bad decision from a player who an NFL team wants to employ to make positive decisions. Bad decision from a guy who's really coming off a disappointing uh, campaign. And like I said, an unforced error and something that he's going to be questioned about. Now, the rest of the games to cover here are on Saturday, starting at noon with the Celebration Bowl between Alcorn State and North Carolina a and Now, there aren't really any draftable prospects in this game. There are a few who will sniff NFL camps this summer. The top prospect in the game is Alcorn State cornerback Javen Morrison. Tony, tell us about Morrison and anybody else of intrigue here. Yeah, Morrison's a guy who's going to be looked at more as a return specialist than he is a corner. He's a little bit uh, small for a corner, probably goes 5'9 and change, 155 pounds. Uh, This year, you look at his defensive numbers, only had 31 tackles, had uh, two interceptions and broke up another two passes. But his his kick return numbers are out of sight uh, and his punt return numbers. In fact, um, I was writing about him during the uh, game day blog uh, two weeks ago at Pro Football Network. I was writing about this game when they played Southern in the SWAC championship. And just as, uh, just as I was writing about him, he returned a punt like 65 yards for a touchdown. So they, I'm sorry, he returned a kick 65 yards for a touchdown. So he's an explosive guy. He's a great athlete. He's got terrific speed. But really, you're looking at, at uh, Morrison as a return specialist dime back. He's the kind of guy that... You know, if he runs incredibly well in pre-draft workouts, he could sneak into the seventh round incredibly well, meeting in the four threes uh, because someone's going to like that speed. Really a guy who defensively can only play in dime packages at best. Not a bad cornerback, but really his, uh, his MO is the return game and his ability to take it the distance, returning punts and or kicks. Now the New Mexico Bowl is the next one on the slate. Pitts Central Michigan against San Diego State. And the focus here is going to be on the Aztecs offensive line. Left guard Deshaun Dixon is a big 330-pounder, decent quickness for his size, solid technique. His center and line mate, Keith Ismail, is actually expected to enter the draft, rebounded this season from off-season shoulder surgery that kept him out of spring workouts. He has experience as both guard spots as well as the pivot, six foot three, 310 pounds. What are the NFL outlooks on this duo, Tony? If Ishmael enters the draft, there's a good chance he ends up at the senior bowl because he's primed to uh, to graduate. The problem with Ishmael is size. You you put him at 6'3", I'm told he may not even officially touch the tape at 6'2", and he's got short arms. I'm talking about 31-inch arms, which is a killer. He's a terrific player, but he just he comes up short with the measurables, uh, which is a problem. Deshaun Dixon doesn't come up short with the measurables. He's a guy who I really liked a lot throughout his career watched in the past uh, two years. I grade him as a seventh rounder. Scouts have him just outside of draftable. Uh, Those are two guys to keep an eye on. Also, guy who from San Diego State who's getting a lot of chatter is Luke Barco, L-U-Q Barco, the cornerback. He's had a terrific season. He is a uh, transfer from Grossmont College, was not graded or mentioned really even by scouts coming into the year. He's had eight interceptions this year. He's broken up an additional 16 passes as well as 51 uh, total tackles. So here is a guy who I'm surprised he hasn't been invited to any of the uh, big postseason games yet, at least the uh, especially the Shrine game. But here's a guy that really was a non-factor coming into the year, and now a lot of people are talking about him based on his numbers, which have been fantastic. So watch number 16, Luke Barco, uh, the corner from San Diego State, if you watch that game this Saturday. Now a half hour after that game kicks off at 2.30 p.m., Eastern time, we have the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. 
I'm going to get really tired of these long bowl names very soon. But the game is between Liberty and Georgia Southern. One of the better prospect matchups on this weekend slate is in this particular game. And that's between Liberty wideout Antonio Gandy-Golden and Georgia Southern cornerback Kendall Vildor. Both of these guys are going to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. But before they face off down there, they'll get this bowl game. Gandy Golden this season, 74 catches, 1,333 yards, and nine touchdowns. Had 10 receiving scores in 2018. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. We discussed him on episode 93 against Rutgers when he made an insane one-handed touchdown grab. He's a big guy who wins downfield despite not being a speedster. Gets quick releases off the line. He's a solid downfield blocker as well. When we discussed a couple weeks ago, about Gandy Golden and Liberty, we weren't sure that the Flames were going to make a bowl game. So it's nice that they snuck in here and we get an extra look, especially because we get to see him go up against Vildor, who had a big 2018 season on the stat sheet, four interceptions, 11 pass breakups, 42 tackles. But his numbers dipped this year as teams really avoided throwing his way. 5'11", 190 pounds. So the size advantage here obviously is going to go to Gandy Golden. Vildor's teammate, Fellow cornerback Monquavian Brinson is also 5'11", 190, a potential late-round prospect as well. He may see a little bit of Gandy-Golden as well. Brinson also has some returnability, but this game is going to be all about Gandy-Golden and Vildor. Vildor and, and Brinson, they also have a third cornerback there, a nickelback, Jesse Liptrot, uh, Jesse Liptrot, who was given a, a, a priority free agent grade by scouts coming into the year. I give him a, a bit of a lower grade, but, uh, you know, who would think that the curable of all games would interest NFL scouts? But, you know, you're looking at Gandy Golden, a likely third-day pick as, against uh, uh, Vildor. You mentioned that's the big matchup there. You're looking at three guys here in Gandy Golden, Vildor, and Brinson, that could all slide into the uh, second half of the third day of, of the draft, uh, you know, and different, play different roles. Gandy Golden's more of your bigger possession receiver, could be a number four at the next level. Vildor, I believe, is, you know, a potential dime back. Brinson's a guy, a dime back, uh, as well as a special teams player. Lip Trot, if he has some uh, real good uh, workouts before the draft, could uh, be signed as a priority free agent. A very interesting game to, to uh, watch. And as you said, we're going to be see, seeing Gandy Golden and Kendall Vildor at the Senior Bowl. Now, SMU and Florida Atlantic will match up in the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. Two skill players to watch in this game. Florida Atlantic tight end Harrison Bryant and SMU wide receiver James Proach. Bryant is the team's leading receiver. 65 catches, just over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. It was a big improvement on his 2018 numbers. Brian is six foot five, 240 pounds, more of a move tight end or a, a big wide receiver than an inline tight end. He's often lined up in the slot. He has the speed to split the seam, also gives effort as a blocker. So he's one to watch in this game, as is Proach, who had another huge season, tops 100 catches this year, 1,139 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, played behind Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn in 2017, both guys who are currently playing in the NFL. Still topped 800 yards on about 40 catches that year. Doubles as a returner as well. Six foot, 193 pounds. A lot of scouts question his top end speed, but he's quick, makes plays with the ball in his hands. He actually likened himself to Jarvis Landry in an interview over at Pro Football Network with Andrew DiCecco. Now he and Bryant should be really fun to watch in this game Saturday. And remember, SMU's got some other guys. I, I mean, Harrison Bryant, you said you got to watch him. Senior Bowl invite, a guy who is one of the better senior tight ends uh, available in the 2020 draft, although it's a very shallow class. You, you're looking at two guys from SMU, Rodney Clemens, the safety, who I presently grade as a six-round pick. 
Patrick Nelson, a guy who was a safety who's popped out of nowhere. He's, he's actually used more like a linebacker and makes a lot of plays up the field. Clemens has got excellent ball skills. Nelson's a decent athlete who plays with a nasty attitude. So watching how those two guys key on Bryant and try and take him out of the game is going to be very interesting. As far as Prochet's concerned, you know, the guy, the other guy there to watch is Shane Bouchelle, the quarterback, who really was a non-factor at Texas, transferred from Texas to SMU, has had a sensational season. I don't think he's draftable, but I think he's going to be signed as a priority free agent uh, because of his decision-making, because of the way he runs that offense, decent accuracy, Decent arm, not a great NFL arm. And, and you're right on about Prochet. I mean, he doesn't have the great size speed numbers. Goes about 5'10 and a half, 195 pounds. And you can tell on film, he's no more than a mid 4'5'5 five, five guy. He's a very good, smaller possession receiver who understands the position, runs good routes, and knows how to be productive. And I think in that vein, you're looking at a, a late round pick who could be a number five at the next level, potentially double as a punt returner. Yeah, and I mean, SMU, you mentioned a lot of players there. They're one of the better teams on this Saturday slate. We got a couple that we'll get to later as well with four more games. But before we do that, a word from our sponsor over at MyBookie. It's that time of year. Christmas is coming up quick as we're approaching the 25th, and our friends at MyBookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. MyBookie is Already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry. And this holiday season, they're getting into the spirit of giving with 12 straight days of giveaways. That's right. 12 days of gifts with a brand new gift every single day so you can take your game to the next level. Now, they kicked off this promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for the UFC. And they'll keep up the gift giving through the 25th. Free bets, free spins, futures, and more. While Santa has his list. They've checked off theirs, and they've got a little something for everybody. This is the promotion you won't want to miss. Especially with the NBA and NHL now in full swing and all the college bowl games that are coming up on us, which Chris and I are talking about, it really is the holiday season and the best time of the year for sports betting. Parlays, teasers, specials, anything you could ever ask for. My bookie is here to make Christmas great again. Head over to mybookie.ag right now and use our promo code BLV to get half of your initial deposit in free wagers. And that's just the start of your savings. Make sure to check out the site during this promotion because there's going to be something new every day. You're going to want to take advantage of these deals. So go and sign up for mybookie with our code BLV and start winning today. Now from Florida Atlantic in our last preview to Florida International in this one, They'll play Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl, the shortest bowl name I've had to say so far today. FIU quarterback James Morgan and linebacker Sage Lewis are two guys we discussed on episode 97 back when FIU upset Miami. Morgan has a strong arm, trusted a bit too much at times, though. Six foot four, 213 pounds, does a nice job protecting the ball, only 10 interceptions over the last two seasons, but more of a game manager and just not a passer who's going to create a lot of big plays. Lewis is 6'1", 240, gets to the ball quickly, good speed and athleticism, had 80 tackles this year, three interceptions, shows off good ball skills, and also gets solid depth on his zone drops, shows good awareness and coverage, battled injuries a bit this year, but still stayed on the field and produced Arkansas State's top prospect, cornerback Jerry Jacobs, out for the season with a knee injury. Wide receiver Omar Bayless had a massive breakout year this year. 84 catches, 1,473 yards, and 16 touchdowns. 
six foot three, 207 pounds. As we often say with receivers at that size, his speed is a question mark, but the production obviously is not. He had 10 catches for 132 yards and four touchdowns in his team's opener against the aforementioned FSMU Mustangs, seven receptions against Georgia a few weeks later. So he's done it against legit competition as well as the lower level competition that he's faced. Watch out for him, Morgan, and Lewis in this one as players to keep an eye on. Yeah, and Arkansas State, a great story this year. If you remember, the head coach lost his wife to, I believe it was breast cancer, and there was a lot of emotion there. Video went viral. Um, Head coach took some time off, as was understandable, then showed up, I believe, just two days before the first game of the year, and the place went crazy. That whole reception for Arkansas State when they played at Georgia, even though they got creamed, everybody was wearing pink for the coach's wife in the stands. It was a good scene. Uh, Bellis, and Bellis has been a captain. Bellis has been really sort of the juggernaut on offense uh, and really has been a leader. He's a guy who came into the season rated as a street-free agent by scouts. I have him as a potential seventh-round pick. As you said, speed is going to be everything for him. We know he can catch the ball. He's a solid receiver, but he's about six foot one, 200 pounds, and he's estimated to run the four sixes. That doesn't mean he's not going to make it to the next level. It just means it doesn't add up to a draftable uh, prospect. The irony is his teammate, Kirk Merritt, who I believe was a transfer from Georgia. I may need some correction on that. The other receiver, uh, he came in with a late round grade. He's got great measurables, six foot tall, 215 pounds, four, five, one. And he just hasn't produced uh, this season. He's been a bit of a disappointment. I'll tell you this about Florida international, James Morgan. He's got the size. He was great as a potential fifth round pick coming into the season. He's a solid quarterback, but he's more of a game manager. Whenever I watched FIU, he's made good decisions, but sort of in the Justin Herbert type mold, he's never been a guy that was able to carry FIU on their shoulders when I thought he should have, especially at the level that they play in Conference USA. There are a lot of scouts that really like Sage Lewis. He's what teams want in a, in a linebacker these days. A bit undersized, but someone who can run. Someone who runs quickly to the ball, gets from point A to point B uh, in no time at all. Outstanding in pursuit. He's a guy that a lot of people are not talking about who could surprise on the third day of the draft. And yes, Tony Merritt uh, actually transferred. He transferred from Oregon. He was also at Texas A&M. So he's kind of had a, a winding college career, been at a few spots, obviously finally settled in here at Arkansas State. But we'll move on here to what is on paper the biggest game Saturday in the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl, Boise State against Washington. Chris Peterson's last game as Huskies head coach. Obviously, it was a poor year by Washington standards, but they have talented prospects all over the roster. Quarterback Jacob Eason will play in this game. Tight end Hunter Bryant and tackle Trey Adams will not. They are skipping the ball. Bryant already declared for the draft. The best matchup in this game, if Adams were playing, would have been him against Boise State edge rusher Curtis Weaver. Weaver's fifth in FBS with 13 and a half sacks. He's 6'3", 265 pounds. Both he and Adams are among the top 10 at their positions for the 2020 draft. The Huskies' other tackle, Jared Hilbers, is more of a late-round prospect who Weaver could have his way with. The Broncos themselves have a tackle prospect of their own in Ezra Cleveland. Their big play wide receiver, John Hightower, unfortunately, won't play in this game. He's not skipping it, but he was actually ruled academically ineligible. So this game has lost some of its luster compared to when you would go over the rosters. Would have been fun to watch him against the Washington secondary. We've talked a lot about Keith Taylor at corner, Miles Bryant, the hard-hitting safety on the back end. With these players out, everybody that I discussed already. What are you watching here, Tony? 
Well, I mean, it's always a fun game. There's really not a whole heck of a lot as from the scouting point of view. I mean, I like John Mulch in the uh, guard from Boise State, and uh, Washington always puts somebody that's pretty good on the interior that gets some good push up the field. Aaron Fuller, the receiver out of uh, Washington, has shown a lot of flashes. He's a guy who could slide into the late round in April. Uh, you, you know, you want to see how Eason plays. Eason has got all the physical skills. He's shown flashes of brilliance this year, but he's been very, very inconsistent. Uh, you know, and he's got a big decision ahead of him. He's basically 50-50 at this point in time. You know, if he doesn't have a good game and there's more inconsistency on the field, that's not going to bode well for his next level potential. Now, obviously, I mentioned Weaver and Cleveland. Both of these guys are highly rated juniors. Are you hearing anything about their potential declaration decisions? I'm told they're going to enter the draft. So I think what you're looking at with both of these guys, who I presently grade as second-day picks, I think this is their final college game at Boise State. I think both will uh, enter the draft. I think both, you know, you mentioned they're both terrific prospects. Curtis Weaver, either one-gap defensive end, can stand over tackle and, um, and rush the passer. Ezra Cleveland's a guy who I've been on really since he was a redshirt freshman. I, I think he's one of these guys who's a shorter uh, guy who can play left tackle. He's very mobile. He's got to improve his strength. Uh, probably could have entered the draft last year. But bottom line is, is I, I think this is going to be the last college game for both Ezra Cleveland and Curtis Weaver. Both are going to enter the draft. Now, we discussed Appalachian State last week, and here we are again with the Mountaineers facing off against UAB in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Linebacker Akeem Davis Gaither, Senior Bowl invite, six foot two, 215 pounds. He is more of a space player, very solid in coverage and pursuit. And like you mentioned before with Sage Lewis, a player of the type that the NFL is looking more towards these days. Running back Darrington Evans is a game-time decision in this one. He's also contemplating entering the draft. Really not much from the UAB side of things in this game, though. But, Tony, are you hearing anything more on Evans, and what are you watching for in this game? Told Evans is still going through the process, which, you know, we had reported he was going to do after that uh, title game has made no decision. I'm sure we'll probably get a decision a week or two uh, after the bowl game, um, but he's still going through the process. You know, this is just going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, UAB, you're right. They don't have anybody great, uh, but, but they're just a terrific program. I mean, this was a program that, what, three years ago was out of commission, it was no longer, and they've come back. This is their second bowl game in a, in, in a consecutive years. And this is one of those games that, you know, I, I think why I like the bowl games. For a lot of these guys, it's going to be the last time they ever play college football. You like it from a scouting perspective, especially with the Keem Gaithers Davis. Um, but it's just a fun game to watch. I'm sure there's going to be a pretty big crowd there in New Orleans. One of, one of the games that has traditionally been before Christmas. Uh, so we'll just take it in from a college football point of view. Yeah, I mean, not all of these games, especially the early bowls, are going to have these big-time prospects. Obviously, we're going to get to those later on when we're looking at you know the CFP semifinals and a lot of the other bigger bowl games, the New Year's Six, et cetera. But some of these games, even if they don't have prospects, these guys are going to be out there. They're going to be playing hard. It's the last time, as you said, not only that they're going to be playing college football, but very possibly the last time a lot of these guys are going to be playing football at any sort of level. So just watch, just appreciate, and understand that some of these teams, despite not having professional talent on them, they're just very good football teams. They're well coached, and that's a pleasure to watch as well, just besides the top NFL prospects. Yeah, which is why last year, you know, when we were doing the bowl games, I, I said it was a sin. If you remember that game in, in, the, in Dallas, 
uh, between uh, it was Boise State and Boston College, wasn't it? They had the bad weather and they, they just postponed the game rather than just reschedule for a day or two later. I thought that was, I thought that was disgraceful. All the families go down there. A lot of them want to see their seniors play one last game. And ESPN decided that uh, they just weren't going to reschedule the game. And, you know, all games are, people say there's too many of them. I disagree. People want to expand the college football playoffs. I disagree. And I think New Orleans Bowl is one of the games why you're going to have a good crowd there. You got two relatively local teams there, small school teams. And I think it's going to be a good game because even though UAB doesn't have a lot of talent, they come to play. Now we have one more game to cover on this show, and that's Monday afternoon's Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, UCF against Marshall. Like UAB, there's really not much going on at Marshall, but UCF has several potential second-day prospects. Wide receiver Gabe Davis, guy we've talked about a lot on this show, set school records with 1,241 receiving yards and 12 touchdown catches this year. He has already declared for the draft. Playing status for this game is uncertain right now. He did say when he declared two weeks ago that he would play, quote, as of right now. We have no word that that has changed. But Davis is 6'3", 212 pounds, enough speed to get downfield, tracks the ball very well. I know, Tony, he's a guy you've been high on for a while now. Looking at the Knights' secondary, there's a ton of talent there as well, even without injured cornerback Brandon Moore. Safeties Richie Grant and Antoine Collier and cornerback Neville Clark. Grant's a hard-hitting safety, 68 tackles this year. He's a bit small for his playing style, though, at six foot 194. Might need to add a little weight, but he definitely has the frame. Also, some talent in this team's backfield. Adrian Killens and Greg McCray are both small, quick, scat-back type of players, potential late-rounders at best, but they are exciting and dynamic with the ball in their hands. Obviously, we're really hoping that Davis plays in this game, but even if not, there are interesting prospects, at least for UCF. Yeah, if Davis plays, I think that Central Florida wins this game by at least four touchdowns because he's that dominant and he'll just take over the game. Uh, and really, I just finished watching my American Athletic Conference film. Uh, and if you go back, I think the second preview we did was, in fact, that conference. And at that point in time, I said Gabe Davis was far and away the top prospect in that conference. I had him graded as a second, third round pick at that point. I moved him up to a sure second-round pick. I think he could slide into the first round if he runs well. He's just a phenomenal game-controlling receiver. He's got size, plays with great balance, body control, just takes over games. He just shows great awareness. He's almost clairvoyant as to when the ball is coming in his direction, and he's so smooth and fluid. I absolutely love this kid. The only reason he's not going to be a top-20 pick is you can see on tape he's more of a uh, low to uh, mid four or five guy doesn't have that that burst but he's going to be a real good player listen Michael Thomas was not that fast uh you know coming out of Ohio State and look what he's doing and, and Gabe Davis has got that type of uh that type of speed and explosion uh, I, I'm told Davis right now is the only Central Florida underclassman that's going to enter the draft Richie Grant was a guy who before the season people thought could enter the draft I'm told very unlikely he's going to enter the draft. So it's basically Davis and the rest of the seniors. Neville Clark, the cornerback, is a guy who really impressed me on film. I think he's someone who is going to be selected higher in the draft than people expect, especially if he runs well. Running well, Neville Clark's going to have to run in the four fours. Adrian Killens was not even graded by scouts coming into the year. Now, he's small. He probably go, he goes under five foot eight. He's probably about 160 pounds, but he's incredibly quick. He shows the ability to create yardage like you would not believe, make defenders miss. Uh, Multi-cut ball carry, who's able to change direction without losing any momentum at all. 
beats defenders into the open field and can run to daylight. Right now, I have a six-round grade on Killings. Want to see what his actual height, weight, speed numbers are. But I absolutely see him at the next level as a guy who's going to be a third down back, a situational runner, someone who could also be used as a return specialist, someone you give the ball in space to and, and just let him create yardage. Uh, needs to improve his pass catching, seems to fight the ball, seems to do too much body catching at times. But I absolutely think there's a place at the next level for Adrian Killings Jr. And that's it for the 100th episode of The Draft Analysts presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. With next week being Christmas, episode 101 will come out for everybody on Monday with a look ahead to some of next week's bowl games and the following weekend as well. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com.